It's Zach Lingley Chichi. I'm so popular and the world is over. I have killed God in my season two finale and we are joined here today to begin restructuring the world and discovering my philosophy for a new reality. And to do that, I'm pulling out as many people from the gloop and soup in order to synthesize high art and low art in a demonic fusion that will hopefully bring about a new reality. And I'm joined here today by two of my favorite I'm So Popular alumni to discuss Atlas's uh, 2021 uh, Nintendo Switch video game, Shin Megami Tensei 5, and the Futurist Manifesto by uh, Marionetti from 1909. So, uh, who are you two? Who are you? Uh, I'm Fella. It's good to be back. Welcome back. Glad to be out of the soup. Yep, welcome back. Oh, oh, wait, wait, I need to get all the soup out of my nostril. Oh my god, the soup is so thick. Your soup, daddy. Um, I'm Sasha. Hi. Hi, Sasha. Um, I, the reason I kind of was thinking about bringing you two back in for this particular mission forward is because on our episodes we've all done individually, I think that we have stumbled across a few essential pieces of the I'm So Popular ethos. And with Fella, that's the mystery of boots, leg, wig, and twirl. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think your understanding of that concept is very essential for, you know, moving forward with my mission. Um, as well as we co-founded the initial concept of the gloop on our Konsatoshi episode, um, which is a prominent feature of the season two finale. And for Sasha, uh, when we discussed James Charles and Tati Westbrook, we both just <laughs> fundamentally <laughs> understood that this is a absolutely, um, you know, matter of holy war. And uh, mm-hmm. it ev- evoking Shin Megami Tensei just made so much sense. And so I have, um, you know, welcomed you back out of the gloop and soup. And I'm, I'm very happy to have you both with me to get this um, new season started. So it's I'm taking be... the what, what you just said is I'm taking the chaos alignment here, and I'm going to be having to pull you to the to to the demonic throughout this episode. That's right. While Fella tries to play off the straight man and and become <laughs> the law. Well, that's right. right. <laughs> the right. law alignment. <laughs> okay. As always, I am satanic. Okay. Yeah, I, I see how it is. I think that this video game is. Um, this is a new one, and throughout the season, I want to revisit some of the Shin Megami Tensei games because they are truly the sort of leading artistic influence on a lot of my podcasting conduct and my general life philosophy. Um, but before we get there, I want to discuss a little bit with you two about the future. Um, so imagining that the world has been completely desecrated, and uh, we're now in the barren post-Third Impact apocalypse, um, I'm I'm curious about what both of you are thinking about the condition of the world as we move forward. Is what the do you ABC mean, store what, open? Yeah. What do you mean? Imagine it is destroyed. You destroyed the world, and you you, That's you right. just annihilated it. Yeah. <laughs> so we're sitting in a like a beautiful crystalline desert. There are some demons flying around. There are, there are some beautiful singing women. Uh, who sing with a chorus of a thousand voices. There's a, there's a man with a billion faces looking at us from a window of a ruined skyscraper. 
Um, and the 7-Eleven is still open. And of course. And they're <laughs> serving, and they're, and they're serving uh, one of those jelly donuts that I keep seeing in Pokemon. Yeah, I'm um, going to get the Nana Chiki. Right. Yeah. That sounds like a sex act. It's a fried uh, piece of chicken. Oh, right. <laughs> See, I'm a boomer, so I think about karaage when, I, when you say fried chicken. I just, oh, fucking karaage, fucking katsu. But there are, like, new names for it now, after the end of the world. That's right. Right. Becoming increasingly more postmodern and self-referential until it means mm-hmm. nothing at all. Yeah. I mean, um, in regards to the future of this world, well, that's... That, gamers, is up to you. The Nahobino <laughs> needs the number of your credit cards, and don't forget the last three numbers on the back. So, um, well, the, the, the future is gamers rising up. That's, that's the mission. That's the statement. Well, I think um, in, you know, sort of the, you know, reality that we're all lodged in, things have become um, quite dark in the absence of my show. Like, in the last two months, I found that, like, discourse and everyone's kind of emotional reality and as we were just talking on the patreon sirens episode like everything is becoming increasingly more like a boomer era and i'm finding that like the the real world has become very frightening in the last few weeks (laughs) right well i mean it's good that's good I'm I'm happy. I'm happy it's going boom. I'm happy. I'm happy all this digital shit is going to hell. I'm really happy about that. I'm happy every single digital carrier is going to die. I'm happy every single network service is going to die. I'm happy about that because that's actually for me what, and I'm not jumping the gun here, but uh, that's what SMT5 was all about for me. It's like, stop the bullshit. Stop it. Nobody gives a fuck about any of this shit anymore. This is a boring fucking world. This is a fucking horrific fucking network service, fucking digitalized, fucking downloady world. It's so creepy. All of these downloads, they're going through Wi-Fi. They're going through your brain anyway. So all of these fucking cellular signals are fucking going. Like, get back to the fucking boomer shit. That's good. That's good. That's good. Just have more physical physical mediums more fucking more fucking shit that i can touch that i can carry that i can fucking sell that i can sell to a demon behind a rock <laughs> who's dressed as a who's dressed as a cat in boots and <laughs> and who gives me some fucking weird currency for it that i can sell to another demon it, it's it's good it's good is what i'm saying i maybe it's because i'm a boomer i'm like 38 and I, at, at this point, I sh- really should be dead and not talking about the Futurist Manifesto. I should be shutting the fuck up. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I love it. I love it. Let's just go back to a sort of a sort of a post-apocalyptic retrograde, weird, fucking pirated, uh, cyberpunky uh, world. Yeah. And the reason, yeah, the reason why I say cyberpunky is because when when Neuromancer and all of these William Gibson books were being written, you know, th- they didn't have a big concept of the internet. So a lot of the shit that that all of these hackers and runners and all these cool cyberpunk dudes are carrying is just physical media. It's like flash drives and fucking hard drives and fucking laptops and all of these all of the stuff that you can like touch and carry and give to one another. Um, so I'm all for it. I'm all for it. 
for this kind of future. No, me too. I think that um, watching like Netflix and like quote cryptocurrency unquote, which I like never even believed to be real in the first place, but mm-hmm. like watching it all come kind of begin to break apart into pieces um, as like nuclear war is threatened in the distance <laughs> and. I'm going to the Sorry movie. Sorry about that. No, thank you. I, I'm, I'm here for it. Like, let's go. Like, I, as long as something is happening, as long as we're moving forward with speed, and I'm still going to see Shin Ultraman in the theaters, and I, I think, honestly, that this kind of digital collapse and the general sense of, a like, apocalypse going on around us is very exciting to return to. I, I will say, once your once season two ended, I mean, your show did kind of feel like the glue on our timelines because, man, the discourse has been awful in terms of just, like, what people obsess over. It's like it's like the patch note brain has gotten out of control. Like, like I ended the world, and then immediately what happened is that we had an earthquake. The second I uploaded the episode, ten minutes later, there was a literal earthquake in Japan. And from that moment onward, we were... Um, cursed with two months of outright homophobic groomer discourse. Um, seed, seed oils. Uh, seed oils. Tr- tranny groomers are going to get your kids. Catholics. Uh, um, yeah. the, the Florida school system. The war in Ukraine. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Boots? <laughs> Boots? <laughs> Boots on the ground? Uh, yeah. Yeah, the discourse is at the lowest level right now. Uh, this is like not even 2007 level discourse. This is like 2010 discourse, like really bad year discourse where the takes are so bad, so like cosmically bad that people aren't, aren't even calling them out anymore. It's like, yeah, everyone is wrong. Everyone is stupid. And nobody is correct about anything. So we're all in the same boat. Um, it's it, Twitter has really gone downhill um, uh, for me, like content wise. Um, I get a lot of my content from Twitter just visually, just visual content that I save like a crazed old man and like stick on my walls with, with spit and gum. Um, I just steal it all from Twitter. Um, but um, first of all, a lot of accounts have just died. Nobody, nobody wants to generate more content. And uh, we're living in a kind of a post-content period right now where... Um, you know, we've been told a lot of things, what to think and what's good and what's not. And the drive to generate alternative thought and alternative ideas is so low. We're like living in an intellectual impotence period at this point for me. Yeah. It's not fun, but um, but also it is sort of fun because um, it, it leaves space for something else. And maybe if Twitter dies, um, I'm sure Instagram will die pretty fucking soon. Like it's on its last legs. Um, But if Twitter dies within the next couple of years, maybe something else will sprout up or maybe something even more generic and stupid will sprout up. (laughs) We'll see. No, but it all depends on the Nahobino. (laughs) It all depends on the Nahobino because everything around us is digitally collapsing. And not only that, but like you said, like the take sellers have... Um, the people who are supposed to be, like, 
alternative and something Mm -hmm. to shock the culture and kind of like the, you know, right-wing community that I initially had a lot of, like, faith in for doing Mm -hmm. something transgressive, everyone has kind of collapsed into doing um, this cycle of just repeating themselves and repeating others and generating nothing in this endless static tone. And it's been manifesting with um, people in the Catholic community. It's been manifesting with the right-wing bodybuilders. It's every single thing I, I read has become this nuisance noise, like a mosquito bug, like buzzing around. And that's the tragic noise of all of these digital towers coming crashing to the ground. Yeah. Just, just kind of Madison Madison Cawthorn or whatever his name is, <laughs> his ball sack slapping on his brother's face. Yeah, Madison Cawthorn in his little bra. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to imagine a picture of the future, imagine (laughs) Madison Cawthorn's ball ball slapping on his brother's face and his hoop earrings. Oh God! And the wheelchair. (laughs) The wheelchair is an underappreciated element of Madison Cawthorn. Certainly is. Wow, he can really move. I'm so glad he. he, I'm so glad he represents my state. Yeah, he's he's doing he's doing runways. He's serving. He's walking in the category of disability, and he's doing it all in a wheelchair and a bra. He's going to be a judge on RuPaul in a few years. Like, like, <laughs> quote me on that. I can't category wait. is ADA American Disability Awareness. <laughs> it's funny because they literally did a um, wheelchair. Runway, runway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the mermaid, the mermaid <laughs> runway. That's the what I'm Bette talking Midler. about. Like all of this horrific nightmare stuff is going on on the internet that we're all like chained to, and it's all of this, uh, you know, Wi-Fi buzzing through our brains, and yet the most absurd comic theater is constantly unfolding in reality as like they're forcing like drag queens to go through emotional hell and like putting them in mermaid masks and like shoveling them down wheelchairs on national television that everyone and and children are watching yeah yeah i mean it's it's zoomer brain it's very dangerous can happen to you (laughs) (laughs) it can and it has (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't have to like what we're experiencing right now is the collapse of the digital soul like it's it's here you go you've been given this entire volume of boring fucking redundant propagandistic fetishistic uh sexualized godless completely fucking hellscapey media to consume here you go and now that you've consumed it you don't want it anymore like wow what a big surprise i guess it will all fucking collapse now and nobody will care about rupaul's drag race or twitter feuds (laughs) or fucking all of these fucking stupid shows and all of these stupid stupid takes about fucking and transsexuals and fucking drag queens in the libraries nobody gives a shit anymore and finally god thank you finally nobody gives a shit finally the 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 discourse has catched up to the idea that it all does not fucking matter it just does not matter it doesn't affect anyone's lives it doesn't matter to anyone real it's just fake discourse created for fake people for fucking bots on the internet 
it's 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 befuddling to me and it's finally finally dying god and it's dying in the most horrific grotesque way possible because nobody watches all of this shit anymore nobody cares about netflix anymore thank god thank god thank god is all i can say i think you're right so true, bestie. So, so true, true bestie. bestie. And I was down, bitch. And we're all, <laughs> all of it's like cursed with the fucking Zoomer, like post, yes. you know, African American yes. English vernacular gay speak that I can't unregister my soul from. But as um, digital society begins to collapse, um, I, I, like you said, I think this is a wonderful thing, and I think we can wield this uh, for greater good. And the the first thing that we're going to talk about today in our journey into the new universe is uh, the Futurist Manifesto by Filippo Tommaso Marinetti. Um, And uh, I'm curious if either of you have ever, you know, touched on futurism before. Have you ever had any experience with it? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Having been born in Russia and having went russian school for most of my life yes because futurism was extremely well received in the soviet union um most of our poets uh like the great uh soviet early poets like mayakovsky um were futurists um a lot of our artists were futurists um so malevich who drew the black square um was uh you know uh, an ardent futurist um yes we we got sort of the gist of it like early on we did not really understand it nobody really understood it people just thought it's very progressive it's very communistic and it's very sort of uh brave but nobody really got into the manifesto now yeah so my experience with futurism is that this came up in a uh my English survey class that I took, which was a a one-year course in the entire history of um, English literature. And uh, we went through the modernists and came up to futurism. And I immediately found myself really possessed by the aesthetic vision of the futurists, which are these completely unglued paintings of endless motion and color and these young, beautiful men uh, committing to thrusting their whole beings into the world with nothing but absolute speed and certainty. And I thought it was both kind of, like, sexy and, like, really, like, interesting. And so for a while, I, I became, like, quite hung up on the futurists and uh, the people who came out of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've n- I've never been exposed to this. I mean, when you said, like... I'm going to do Shin Megami Tensei 5. I'm like, oh, yeah, boots, leg, yes. Uh, then you said Manifesto Futurism. I was like, what? What? A, what is this? <laughs> and then I looked it up. It's Italian. What? 1909? What? I, I didn't get it. Like, I never heard of it. But I, like, I looked up, like, paintings. And I remember I shared the one, like, before we started today of the dog. Like, dog and the owner, like, in mid sprint and it's like uh there's another one i saw where it's just like this like uh full-on blast of color and constant motion i was like oh this is this catches my eye immediately it's a unique style it it feels 
it, in in a way it kind of felt modern to me like mm-hmm. it, it's not <clears throat> it's not modern and i guess i mean granted my knowledge of paintings or sort of uh philosophy is very minimal but it it has the effect of feeling both of the time but feeling very relevant in a in some way like the the way in which it caught the manifesto describes like being always in motion like going towards uh the future uh innovation progression it kind of reflects at least how i viewed my digital sort of footprint it's like you know oh there's the new thing you know everyone's on you got to go to it you got to go to it the next new thing like all this sort of thing and it was kind of refreshing to see like this kind of uh mood reflected all the way back over a hundred years ago yeah yeah, I, I mean, as I said, my my primary connection with it was through Mayakovsky, so through poetry, which was, um, you know, revolutionary in its own right. And a lot of people uh, consider futurism to be sort of anti-intellectual because it, it, it actively um, uh, refutes uh, academism, it actively refutes... Um, the traditional schools of art and uh, the need for art school as as um, as a thing. Um, it, it, it is a motion. It is a sort of uh, movement in its very pure way. So like, you know, we, we don't actually need to sit and study in an art school for seven years to know what art is. We need to keep moving. We need to keep thrusting. We need to keep going. And this this idea of emotion was very um, concurrent and very synchronized with uh, the ideas of communism in uh, in 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 early USSR, like the idea of, of constant movement, like it doesn't really matter where specifically we're moving the, the you know if, if we die along the way that's fine but the 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 idea of movement artistically and movement spiritually is more important than than uh, the uh, the pro- progression of your in- intellect the progression of your ideas in your head um, but um, but yeah a, a lot of it is um, revived today because there are a lot of anti-intellectual movements um, online right now you know people say why do we need uh academics like fucking noam chomsky or fucking slavo zizek or whoever to tell us what communism is or uh why do we need to like listen to professors in our schools who will tell us what art is um this is good it's it's a revival of a classic 60s student sort of spirit of freedom that you know you don't need a teacher to tell you what art is you just create art uh in the rawest more most like caveman like form but um at the same time uh, you know i understood why you chose to correlate the smt video game with this manifesto because the video game sort of starts with a movement it starts with a with the annulment of everything pre-existing and uh, you as a character and you as a video game player 
move on from nothing, from a zero to something. And whether or not it's good or not, it's up to you. Nobody can judge you. Nobody can critique you. There isn't an academy that will tell you that your art of creating a world from nothing is not good enough. Um, so yeah, I do understand the connection. I do want to hear from you, Zach, though. Why, why did you specifically make that connection, though? Well, I think it was because this uh, specific manifesto and Marionetti are there's something very fervent about this and it's very like virile and it is um casting aside everything that came before um in the name of uh trusting your like sexual instinct and trusting like your your gut feeling and trusting mm-hmm. your own ability to understand the world around you to you know create something more powerful and newer <laughs> and i have, of course, endless reverence for, you know, things that have come in the past and talk about them, you know, ad nauseum. But when I am launching into my new world, I want to talk about the new Shin Megami Tensei game. (laughs) I want to talk about the progress forward. And I feel that, um, you know, my, my gut instincts and my sexuality and what, you know, drives me on, on sort of a libidinal level that's always been what's most true. And the, mm-hmm. you know, actual game of a SMT5 has, like, the same kind of effect that you have nothing to rely on but what your own uh, soul tells you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the game opens up with a quote. Uh, says, when I contemplate the brevity of man's life, I am indifferent to worldly things. How many... Uh, how many are the days I spent in thought? It's from the Manyoshu, if I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> when when you said that we're going to be talking about these two things, I I immediate I felt as though I got it from the get go. It's like you know, with an SMT game, it's very um, you know, it's. I feel like every SMT game to a certain degree is very much leave. It's a very uh, active player game where it's asking you to make act choices and decisions and thoughts. And it's not, and it's not so much about relying on the past, but it's relying on where you want to take things. It's, you know, if you could look at SMT Nocturne, you know, it's, you know, the game opens up in the first hour by destroying the world, like sending Tokyo into a stasis world, the vortex world. And it's the game isn't like saying you need to defeat the evil demon king and move and save Hyrule. You know, it's it's nothing like that. It's about, well, what do we do now? Like, what do you do now? You're you're this you're this unique entity that, you know, uh, pierces through the sort of shadows and fog of this destruction world, and you make you, this is like the world is your 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 canvas. Mm-hmm. And uh, SMT five is unique in the sense of and even to older SMT games where it's not even it's the even without like the different reasons and law paths, it's very. Uh, it, the game almost feels like it's telling you to destroy the past const- constantly. It's right. like, 
and we'll get into it more but it's like when the game ultimately says like hey pick a reason pick pick the path that you want to go towards uh the law and chaos routes which you know usually are like good and bad with like a little bit of caveat to it the, the five is like why would you go back to the old you need to fix the state of the world and that takes active leadership right and I think, you know, one of the the reasons that these two make sense to me together is because, like, in the Shin Megami Tensei games, when you fuse demons together to create something new, I'm, you know, very focused this season to bring things together that, you know, create something, you know, new in the, you know, artistic product of the podcast. <laughs> like, I want to put, like, this um kind of, like, dusty old, you know, literary garbage from the past with the shimmering digital information that like just you know exists on my nintendo switch fisher price <laughs> tablet your so, little kitty your little kitty toy yeah, my little kitty toy because together i they're both you know really perfect and say exactly what they're trying to say but i think you know together as we're reconstructing the universe in my own vision um putting things uh together like that is is the only way through yeah. right exactly um, I want to my, oh, go ahead. My, yeah, no, it's okay. My my like, I just wanted to tell people who have no idea what Shin Megami Tensei is that it's okay. We're we're gonna get through this together. It's just <laughs> you don't have to play it. You don't have to play it to understand what we're talking about. It. We're just doing philosophy now, kids. You know, we're we're just doing art. Don't worry about. It. Just enjoy the experience. You don't have to be a gamer. You don't have to be, you know, a man to enjoy this podcast uh, presentation. Uh, but uh, my uh, specific uh, story with uh, SMT started very strangely. And this was during my, like, one year that I spent in Japan. And I had a friend um, who um, ran, and I think still runs, uh, a kind of a online cult uh like uh like a like a she's a witch basically and she does um like vice did a little documentary on her like um she did sex rituals for like lonely horny japanese girls online and uh, she has a skype group that they do like black magic rituals in uh every uh every saturday i think every sabbath so uh, I was introduced to her by my girlfriend at the time, uh, who was like a fashion designer and also like this freaky person. But uh, so so she goes, "Do you want to meet like a sex witch?" And I'm go- I'm I- I'm like fucking seventeen at this point. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and we go to Ikebukuro uh, to like one of the new like big buildings near Ikebukuro. And we go to like the fucking 30th floor of this fucking residential building. And it looks like a fucking hotel, right? Like a, like a high rise hotel. And I'm creeped out and she goes, Hey, so this is Sasha. And she introduces me to this girl. She's like tiny and her house is filled with dicks. Like it's, you walk in and there's a panorama of the park of the like Ikebukuro park. And uh, there are lingams everywhere, like fucking jade penises and fucking nephrite penises and fucking um, fucking marble penises. It's, it's like penis country. And there is a small bookshelf 
near her like workstation. And on that bookshelf is Nocturne, like standing like right in front of me, like right fucking opposite of my face. And I only like recently at this point got uh, a PlayStation 2. Uh, don't have like many games for it. And she goes, do you want to like borrow this um, uh, through my girlfriend? Because I don't speak Japanese well this point uh, or, or still and uh and i go okay what is that and she goes oh it's like a like a, a cult video game it's made by by a bunch of people who are like into into rituals and i like uh, i like uh want to meet them but i've never met them but they they know what they're talking about and it's really cool so she gave me she gave me a copy of nocturne and she gave me a copy of uh japanese translation of uh, alistair crowley's uh, goetia which uh, the lesser key of Solomon, which is a 17th century fucking fake about like summoning fucking demons that Crowley has fucking remade to sell more shit because he was broke as always. And um, so I started reading through this. And um, after that, I went to a couple of her like uh, Sabbath rituals, whatever, uh, where she basically, you know, put on a, a strap on and fucked her boyfriend. Uh, well, he screamed that he's Leviathan and, and, and Behemoth and fucking all of the demons at the same time. And all of these like Japanese fucking goth chicks are like sitting there and it's like, this fucking rules, man. This is so <laughs> awesome. This fucking rocks, dude. Um, so I'm, I'm weirded out, but sort of obviously drawn in to everything that I'm repulsed by. Um, uh, you know, the more repulsed I am, the more interested I am. That's how I work. So I start playing this video game and it's Japanese. I don't fucking understand anything. So my girlfriend has to sit right fucking next to me and try to translate, uh, which she cannot do because a lot of uh, Nocturne is completely incomprehensible. Um, like... Ooh, the fucking labyrinth of Amala. You're in the labyrinth of Amala now. And I'm like, what the fuck is an Amala? I know. Like, I'm just translating what's on the fucking screen. So so we go through um the, the first sort of third of the game, and I abandon it, and then I go back to Britain and finally it comes out featuring Dante from Devil May Cry. <laughs> um and it's called Lucifer's Call uh in in europe uh which is weird and freaky and there's like a little satanic panic going on about it uh but but okay i i i tried again and then i get stuck in nocturne for like a year of my life like a year of my life is just nothing but nocturne um and it's it's an incredibly difficult game it's very hard to play it's it doesn't explain anything to you but since I was getting so deep into the occult and trying to find the demons that sort of resonate with what I already know from like uh, grimoires and from reading and from like practicing black magic and things like that and from fucking, uh, you know, people coming to me for assistance and shit, uh, you know, it, it becomes a sort of an integral part of who I am. And... Uh, that's the story it just it just sort of integrated itself into me and then of course i found out that kazunari suzuki who um you know is the man behind the very early video games of this uh series 
is a huge like occult guy. He's 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 like well known in the thalamic circles in Japan. He's known in the fucking OTO circles in Japan. It's it's weird because you know people might think that this is like a like um like an initiation. Th- these games they're really not. They're sort of a parody of what's going on in in magic in modern magic and um of the idea of summoning demons to help you or to reshape the reality to your desire is a is a very black magic sort of thing uh but uh i always love that they do it through the internet or through a program or through a computer or uh through a sort of a wrist uh device uh you know it's it's a very japanese take on black magic it's very unique so that's the rundown for my take on smt for people who don't know what the fuck we're talking about yeah because um you know shin megami tensei well, ah, my mic fell over sorry oh, okay. no it's okay See? I'm okay. Black magic. Black magic. Yeah, yeah you, said, you you called Lucifer into the room. He knocked Sorry. my mic over. <laughs> but Shin Megami Tensei is a game franchise about the world ending and the protagonist reshaping it in some way through the recruitment of um, actual demons and um, magical and holy figures from um, every global faith tradition. And it's funny that we're talking about this with the Futurist Manifesto, which, like, literally writes, like, burn the libraries down, like, forget it all, because this draws on thousands of years of history. But um, the idea of recreating the universe as this uh, tragic, you know, boyish Japanese protagonist as you uh, funnel through sifts and just masses of uh, demonic and holy content uh, really kind of shocked me when I first came across it in junior high school. And my first exposure was was much uh, less beautiful than yours because I just came across Persona 3 at a Fred Meyer and bought it with my, uh, with my McDonald's money. Also sort of cool <laughs> because McDonald's, well, yeah. No, I mean, it, it makes sense though because it's... It, it is really wild that in this kind of contemporary moment that when I was like 14, I could just mm-hmm. go to a chain, like a, like a West Coast chain of like supermarket plus like DVD section stores and I could find Persona 3 Fests on, on their shelves and then buy it. And that game yeah. sucked me in. After that, I became obsessed with the franchise. I played uh, Nocturne when I was in high school and have uh, been fascinated by the franchise ever ever since. But um, it is something really special that these games exist in the real world and you can just stumble across them and then suddenly get pulled into the realm of all of these ancient faiths and traditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my introduction was maybe even less uh, magical than even yours, Zach. It was Persona 4 Golden on the Vita was my first experience. And if anyone knows Persona, which is a spinoff of the mainline series, which centers around high school kids, uh, uh, Persona 4 is known for being much less... uh, It's interested in the occult. It's still fascinated by that, but it's uh, under the guise of a Scooby-Doo mystery. Uh, but like it left an impression on me at a young age. You know, I was like, I was in high school, I think. And 
then like I got into Persona 3 and then Nocturne and then it's like you find out all about the main all the because it can be confusing especially in the west because like in Japan they they you know they have Megami Tensei and then you know the Shin Megami Tensei games but in the west it's only known as like Shin Megami Tensei Mm -hmm. Uh, but you learn about like you know uh like i guess because it's coming out in a few few uh months it's like a devil summoner uh or uh soul hackers is like a spinoff which is like about a bunch of people summoning like demons through like the internet uh then you have like devil summoner series where you have like raido kuzunoha which is set in like wartime japan and it's very different from everything but you you also have like I, I mean, I guess you could consider Catherine a part of the series as a whole, like, which is like a literal dating simulator mixed in with like occult yeah. nightmares that you have to survive. I or... mean, all of this is just to say that like these games, which are blockbusters and are like a staple of the Japanese role playing game genre, it's like this is one of like the biggest like franchises in that realm. And this has been going on since the 90s that they just have been, like, casually, like, you know, tampering with these Im- demonic and images. It's insane. Like, initially, the series began based off a-, a novel, like a light novel, and was adapted into a game. And it just has spiraled into a, a media franchise, like, so expansive that you can play with world-ending satanic, like, nightmarism on your Nintendo Switch now. Yeah, I mean, and it's I guess it's even a little bit more crazy for like Westerners too because the West didn't really the West didn't get a mainline SMT game until Nocturne and that was 2003. I mean, sure Persona existed, but they kind of try to separate it from like SMT branding. But like you know, nowadays you can't go on the internet without some like shrill zoomer screeching about Persona Five like. Yeah, you'll have, you know, there's genuine, like, there's, like, hordes of people who are now, like, into the series. I mean, their Soul Hackers is going to be the next, like, main pillar of the SMT franchise this year. And it's, like, they're releasing it on every system, like, PC, Xbox, PlayStation, the Switch, or no, not the Switch, but point being is, like, anywhere you can go, there's an SMT game. I mean, there's an SMT mobile game. Like yeah, that I've sunk about a thousand dollars into. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a franchise that is only now sort of coming into its own in the West. Um, it's been the sort of abode for for like the most esoteric JRPG fans in the West. Like, what are you into? I'm into SMT. It's like, oh, I've never played, uh, you know, th- th- there was a very small community of people who actually knew and completed these games. And now it's everywhere, thanks to Persona, which is more accessible, as you said. And finally, now we got uh, SMT5, which we've been waiting for for a very long time, finally got last year. Um, it went through a sort of a development kind of purgatory i don't want to say how it um um, it it was so they announced smt5 when the switch was like finally like revealed at like a 
at a Japanese like Switch event. Mm-hmm. And this was like two months before the Switch was coming out. Like they just said the, the new SMT game is coming to Switch. And then like a few months later, they actually showed like a, a teaser trailer. And then they went silent about it for four years, basically, yeah. which I mean, which was different, especially if you're you were coming to SMT five off of Persona five, where they kept showing things like every year and kept delaying the game you know every few months it was like where like is this game real like it, it just seemed it, like this game never existed until mm-hmm. suddenly we were told this game is going to exist in like four months it, a, a worldwide release which for uh, an atlas game was shocking like an atlas mm-hmm. game coming out in every region at the same time i did not think i would see that <laughs> like it was cool it was cool to get it at the same time japan was getting it um with like a full voiceover and shit um that was really really a big surprise but um what was more surprising was just the visuals of it um nobody expected i think it to look this artsy and this sort of stylized and and kind of um preoccupied with its own aesthetics and aesthetically pleasing Because a, a lot of SMT games are kind of ugly. Uh, Nocturne, <laughs> aside, Nocturne aside, a lot of SMT guy, uh, games are like, you know, samey corridors or like, you know, dark ruined parts of Tokyo or, you know. And here we got a sort of an almost minimalist, um, sometimes art deco kind of landscape which was uh, apparently free roaming not not quite but yeah almost free roaming um and it, yeah it it was it was shocking for me as somebody like you know if i can just like talk about game engine stuff for a brief minute it's like atlas was always using like some very variation of like another engine and they were they always had a unique style but like they were never like the masters of like visuals like they they would have something that was interesting and captivating to look at like you know uh, I'll pull Persona 5 just like the menu design of that game is like it, it, honestly like elite tier but like it has this very kind of stilted uh, like 10 year old animation thing like look to it but like Hmm. smt5 was the first game atlas ever i think used the unreal engine which was a big thing for them because it was supposed to uh help them avoid situations where like they would spend four or five six years making a game because they were so small and limited but you know if you've ever seen an unreal engine game it always has like a look to it it Unreal Engine, you know, powers games like Fortnite and stuff. Like, uh, for, Unreal Engine is the most used, like, sort of middleware engine in the industry. But, like, when they finally, like, pulled the curtains back last year around, like, June, and they had all this gameplay footage and all this stuff, it it did not, like, scream, this is an Unreal Engine game. This looked like something that they had been working on for like at least a decade yeah right i think that the idea of this game being like an art deco kind of product is like very in touch with like the idea of futurism i feel like the 
the entire game experience and the way it's laid out and the art design behind these maps that you navigate as you uh, pass through the game it all is very like in line with that like rush of color of like the futurist painters and like the kind of architecture that they were doing um and i was so shocked by this game because i you know i play probably one game a year like i'll play one game of a franchise i'm interested in every year and that's about it and i knew it was gonna be smt5 this year or last year but um i was amazed to see that this is so thematically breathtaking it is horrifying in so many ways it's sublime and it is exactly the kind of thing that i want to utilize in my quest forward to remake the world because i feel like my mission and shin megami tensei 5s are quite similar right yeah yeah it, so you're you're given you're given a world of nothing and you're being told to remake it and the art style really reflects that it, it, it is a sort of a futurist art form this video game because it's it's like okay so what what would you do okay what would you do if nothing existed if it was all over how would you remake it how, how would you make the world better and um that is the exact question that futurism sort of posits to people like okay so you're you're the owner of the world now you're the the god of this planet so what do you do yeah and you know it's like the as soon as the game introduces dot or the netherworld as it, you know uh, they call it like there's that cutscene right at the beginning where you see like these, you know, de- these devil demons sort of encircling you and you see these giant towers that are seemingly like moving, but they're not moving towards like this, the sky, like this infinite sky. And it's, it's, stri- it's striking. It, it, it's, it's so, it feels almost so powerful that it's causing the switch to like self-destruct on itself. Like, yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. Like playing, playing the game is like a, a battle between like, you know, these beautiful, like these beautiful ginormous levels of just like these, uh, these uh, structures in the sky, like breaking into like different smaller and smaller cubes as your switch starts to turn into a space heater and the frame rate jumps to five frames per second, it's kind of amazing yeah. to experience. Yeah, no, it is. Um, and something I want to read from the Futurist Manifesto, um, it says, we are on the extreme promontory of the centuries. What is the use in looking behind at the moment when we must open the mysterious shutters of the impossible? Time and space died yesterday. We are already living in the absolute since we have already created eternal omnipresent speed. And in this game, you play as a high schooler who is uh, conducting his day-to-day life when uh, he and his YouTuber classmates are suddenly struck by a bizarre demonic flash. And he reawakens in Dot, the netherworld, where um, Tokyo is nothing but a deserted, desolate shadow of itself. Um, and he fuses with a demon who promises to protect his life and becomes the Nahobino. Uh, and the rest of the game is you traversing through this uh, Tokyo hellscape and um, reaching for that speed that they write about in the Futurist Manifesto. 
Yeah, yeah. what I like, what I, I'm sorry, go on. Oh, no, 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 please. I was just okay. agreeing. <laughs> what, what I like about the story, uh, well, first of all, the story got, um, after a while, people started really shitting on it and saying that it's incomprehensible, that it's uh, very short and uh, light on content. I mean, you know, online critics are going to critique, but um, uh, a lot of them just didn't read into the story at all and just went, well, okay, this is a futuristic story about um, a post-apocalyptic world and uh, you, a young protagonist, uh, sort of remake it. Um, That's one way you could look at it. But also, you know, if you sort of pay attention, because... um, what I don't like about this game is that it it it, sh- it throws these uh, expositions at you um, in a very uneven way. So you start with nothing, and you're in a desert of the real, <laughs> and uh, you're you're going around and you're trying to figure out who destroyed the world and how you might put it back together in your own image or whatever. And then you're thrust back into Tokyo, which is apparently okay, not to spoil or anything, but uh and you're being told that well uh this is an illusion this is a sort of a clone world that exists because god after the destruction of the world glued it back together so that people wouldn't get stressed too much and <laughs> like like so that people wouldn't be upset he kind of made an illusionary world that that that, that goes on as if nothing had happened I have to say, um, I love this part of the story. Yeah, because this it, goes, this is like, like an hour into the story, and you're like being told all of this in the same sentence. Oh, yeah, it's one, I mean, this is my favorite thing. It's like in Twin Peaks, The Return, when <laughs> yeah. they just yeah. start telling you everything, and it's just like, oh, actually, here's what's going on. And I was so obsessed with the idea that, like, this, uh, the world actually didn't, and as, as you imagined it, and what happened is that the world you've always been living in is uh, nothing but, like, a shallow simulacrum made by yeah. God to appease you. And it felt so contemporary and horrific <laughs> to me going through that, and especially paired with the soundtrack of these choral voices and these, like, looming, like, gongs as people walk through Shinagawa Station and, like, make YouTube videos. And, like, <laughs> it's, like to imagine that all of that is just, like, some little diorama made by, you know, a god to just simply ward off the inevitability of death. Like, it, that yeah. feels so true. And then, yeah. and then you're being told, actually, you have to help us preserve this shit. And you're like, wait, why? Uh, it's like, oh, but all the all those people will get sad who 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 think that the world still exists. And I'm like, wait, why do I have to like help to save this place? And and you're just like, it, it's very funny because um, you're a kind of a blank slate. You're you're not told anything about your character. You're not even really told. The character's gender really at all uh it's it's kind of up to you um he's you basically and uh your reactions are correct to whatever your reactions are like if if your reactions are this is bullshit like if, if the world has ended why don't we just like show people that and stop like babying them and like okay some of them will die from like 
demon fights because the, the the fucking underworld is filled with demons now um okay that's fine but some of them will like probably live on and build something cool um if your reaction is that that's fine if your reaction is like no we have to like protect the innocent and like make sure the world is like remade and god's in god's ideals and things like that and christian abrahamic god is the god that's being hinted at at this point um that's fine too um this is uh you know a, a lot of uh, a lot of things that a lot of people like complain about the lack of freedom of expression in rpgs these days this is a a great way to express your freedom in a very different way in a very japanese way like you have to sort of hint at the game of what about what your philosophy of life is and of how you want to remake this world and what your feelings toward towards this this ended fucking cartoonish uh, diorama is you have to hint that to the game but uh, overall it's kind of up to you so the freedom is really kind of limitless and it in a way it's almost not like a game but a parable so you are the all-powerful being of this world. So what do you do? And um, it's it's kind of a, a morality parable that you have to tell the game and then at the same time tell yourself. Um, so that for me is the art of SMT5. It's, it, it's, it's not really um, visually stunning, um, you know, musically it's stunning, but also the idea that you're creating a fairy tale kind of for yourself. Yeah, I love that's, that idea. That's the beauty of it. I, I think you're exactly right that this game is like really like you are making the game, like you are like creating it as as you you know make this story happen. And um, the setting is that God is dead. Like Lucifer has slayed God, and the backdrop is this holy war between demons and the rest of it. And it is completely up to you what you're going to do with that world. have been turned into a non-binary, long, blue-haired creature of God. And (laughs) creature of godlessness, honestly. And 
how you make the world is uh, entirely up to you, as as we define. And um, I found that so much of this game is perfectly effective on just like the tone of the setting alone and those first few hours that you spend in this desert um you climbing up towards the tokyo tower as the music is just this like spacious quiet isolating thing the the entire experience is very lonely and tragic and and beautiful yeah Mm -hmm. the minato level i think is such a great a great introduction to how like it's it sets the sort of stage for you as the player to start piecing together what it is that has to be done like the minotaur level is defined by the roaming hills of sand and the buildings of tokyo crumbling and you see these giant pillars disintegrating into the sky and you'll occasionally see like a giant enemy kind of flying above you screeching as this uh, a beautiful ambient song just haunts you throughout the entire experience and all you have is like the rare demon just noticing you and trying to kill you like it it's a very lo- and, and most smt games have this lonely feeling it's I think what was striking to me at first was the fact that it is in HD. It's, you know, in this high fidelity, hyper detailed, you know, you see them, you see the monsters on the, on the world map instead of it like being like a apparition, like it was a nocturne. The, the fact that, or, or in SMT4, where it's just like a, a spirit on this very uh, rudimentary representation of Tokyo. It's like, seeing having a actual demon model of like this onion head little baby thing like running towards you is like it it kind of has like a almost a horror game aesthetic to it where there's no one else but you and these monsters that want to kill you yeah but i mean my experience with it was also very like this is why it wasn't a surprise to me when Zach said like the manifesto of futurism because you start off and you're about to get eaten right you're a powerless fucking they them in a in a <laughs> world of he hims and um, you're about to get eaten by demons right and then a sudden flash and a big strong blue haired daddy shows up and he. Outreaches, he outstretches his hand and he goes like, do you want to fucking live or not? Are we going to fucking do this? And, you know, you're given a choice, by the way. Like, you you pause for a while uh, before taking his hand and, like, fusing with him uh, into, into a mask, they, them. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, like, at no point during this first level, which is quite big, by the way, it's, it's a, an expansive level, do you feel powerless? Like, no, 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 no. This isn't a, a game where you feel powerless. These demons are fucking degenerates. They're, they're, they're constantly being shown as either really stupid or yeah. like, greedy or hungry. They're, they're like almost like animals, you know? You, you have to like, this is another part of the manifesto of futurism. So um uh we want to glorify war the only cure for the world uh the destructive gesture of the anarchists the beautiful ideas which kill 
Uh, we are already living in the absolute. We have already created eternal omnipresence speed and we want to demolish uh, museums and libraries, feminism, and all opportunist and utilitarian cowardice. So this is a manifesto of like almost like, uh, you know, uh, super masculine, super aggressive, uh, super patriotic, warlike uh, speed and aggression. And that's what you're given at the very start of the game. You're given like uh, powers that are beyond, and you're being told that, the powers of this Nahobino, you know, they're you know, beyond anything else in this fucking world. All of these demons are pussies compared to you. You're like super powerful. You're, you're, you're empowered. You're an empowered, glorious day them. And um, that's how you go through this video game. They don't want you to feel confused, powerless, or scared of this terrifying new world. No, no, you have balls now. You have you can do you can throw these demons around like it's nothing. These slimes are like nothing to you. These like fucking chicken babies are like you know they're nothing. They they they, they will all serve you in the end, or you can destroy them in the end if you want. You know, so it's it's like you're. It, it's a very empowering game. And it's a very kind of, um, at no point do you feel like you're, uh, holy shit, I'm so terrified of these enemies. They're going to fucking wreck me, uh, you know, even though they, they probably will after a while. But, but they don't want you to feel crestfallen. They don't want you to feel like you're sort of lacking in energy and, oh, now I have to grind again to get this boss through and over with, you know. They don't really want you to feel that. They want you to feel like a god of this new world. It's an empty world. It's completely destroyed. But, um, um, you know, they want you to feel like you can do this, that you can remake it in your own yeah. image. Yeah. You, you yeah, read the quote, like, we want to glorify war from the from the manifesto, and it makes total sense because even though this game can be, like, pretty crushingly difficult at times, it's never because of um, something unfair on behalf of the enemies. It's that uh, you weren't harnessing your power correctly. And the mm -hmm. gameplay system, which is pretty well known as the press turn you know, combat system or whatever, uh, is that you exploit an enemy's weakness, you get more turns. And you, as long as you approach every situation with, like, intelligence and um, a little, the slightest bit of wit, you can usually make your, your way through this game. And the design of it is is not to make you feel, like, weak, but actually to make you feel like you are surmounting um, these ancient holy systems. And so, as you go through the game and you crush greater and greater gods and deities and demons, uh, doing it with your own willpower and... Uh, knowledge of the system is very satisfying and really does give you that futurist kick yeah sure. i mean the they stay pretty early on how the nahobino is like a almost like a like a what's the word it's like a a prodigal being that will enter the world at some point because the the game sets up the whole god split the knowledge of gods or you know angels or whatever split the knowledge to keep the power away so that he could stay in power and there throughout the game through all the characters that you meet whether it's your high school friends or the various demons that sort of come along with you in the journey they 
always reiterate how the Nahubino as a being is more powerful than anything that they've seen. Like every time you face a boss or like a mini boss, they constantly say like, oh, this is the true power of the Nahubino. Now I understand. And a lot of the times like in defeat, they don't, they, they will state like, I was bested by the stronger being and so be it. And a lot of, and that usually results in them being able to join your party, which I find always fun. Like, you know, (laughs) in the latter game, you can get like Zeus as a party mate that will follow you and do whatever you want. It's like, I, I, I love that the Nahobino and is like an ultimate power fantasy, but only if you use your intellect to properly harness it Mm -hmm. exactly for sure for sure um yeah because all of these gods of this old world are dead anyways so they they just don't realize it yet you know um like all of these ideas you know it's a game about ideas you know oh my god we're going to be you know meeting shiva who's the um who's the uh, basically deification of uh, destruction and creation at, at the same time over and over forever and we're gonna kill him and we're we're gonna be friends with him now because even that is like so way past us now that that so it, it's almost like it's a it's super futurism like we're, we're we're almost past normal futurism now we're we're all the way to ultra futurism where even the ideas of futurism are behind us because they were created by like human beings and um, they have to do with the art and shit. And we don't care about that. We're, we, we just want to move on and create a world free of, you know, whatever, or we want to make a world that exactly the way it was supposed to be from the very beginning, or we want to make it to the blueprint of a Christian God, you know, it's up to you. So um, it's, it's almost as if SMT5 is somehow more progressive than, than a manifesto written in 1909. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's all, it's also a very kind of Japanese take on it because you can't escape um, the Japanese-ness of a JRPG. Um, you know, when I was talking with this um, witch girl in Japan, um, what she was talking about uh, was always, you know, one step ahead of the Western uh, magical ideology. So she was going like, you know, first, you know, in Europe, they burned witches and um, you know, they were sort of scared of the feminine and, and uh, the ability of women to practice magic and stuff. But in Japan, um, it was almost the opposite. Um, you know, women were almost, almost the only people who could practice a practical magic day to day. And by that, I mean, you know, uh, being an OBGYN, essentially, um, you know, uh, like practice alternative medicine and things like that. So that was, you know, considered to be the uh, the 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 sort of darker world of uh, the feminine you know so if you want to manipulate reality you have to be a woman uh if you want to manipulate the world you have to be you know sort of uh in contact with the cycle of death and rebirth that women have um but 
obviously the futurist manifesto is the complete opposite of that and this game is uh, is an, an opposite of that although there are characters that are feminine and there are, there are females in this video game who are uh, sort of guide guidance counselors to the main character <laughs> they, they they kind of they kind of lead him along a little bit um for a while um but um ultimately it's up to the main character who is sexually and you know in in terms of gender very ambiguous um so this 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 is where i think we take it one step ahead as the japanese always do uh in terms of you know who who uh who who must remake the world who should it be who should who should remake the world is it a is it a world mother who you know uh in babylonian myths and and mesopotamian myths she gives birth to a whole new world you know uh inanna who is you know a goddess uh, ishtar you know all of these mother goddesses uh ingrained in the uh jungian subconscious uh, of humanity or uh, should it be just an anonymous person, uh, just like a nameless guy who who just through the sheer force of his will and through sheer chance and uh, sheer luck kind of remakes it. So this is a this is a big philosophical thing that I'm not going to get into, but um, uh, I like that uh, Atlas sort of took these ideas of futurism and these ideas of remaking a world in your image and and reshaping reality with your will, which was always kind of the SMT thing. You kind of shape reality through through your sheer will. Um, and they ran with it and they went further and further and further with it uh, until we got this video game. Very true. Yeah, like... In this game, you, as I've mentioned a few times, you're literally slaughtering every single um, figure from all traditions, including the female mothers who had originally given birth to the world. And the namesake of the game is Shin Megami Tensei, which means um, rebirth of the true goddess. And mm -hmm. that hasn't happened, I think, in the franchise since, like, SMT2. But in any case, like, you definitely feel like you are pushing through these like waves of history in a way that is like ultra futurist and you're massacring these people bringing them into your party so that you can use your own Nietzschean will to manifest the reality however however you see fit and um it's especially satisfying in this game when you kind of start reaching the later areas and you've killed the king of all demons. You've put an end to every single one of them. And by the end of the game, it really does like feel like you have um, burnt through all history and you're left only with what you have in the player's heart. Mm -hmm. And it, it's fitting too that like after you kill the demon king, the 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 level that you go to next is Ueno, and it's like this pristine minimalist white like white and blue themed level with a very oh yeah very, Taito yeah Taito it's like and the the soundtrack which I I think can't go without mentioning how stellar the soundtrack is and in selling the the atmosphere and sort of reflecting the player like what sasha said it's like you know the game is like a power fantasy and 
uh, I love how like the initial battle theme is like one of the most, it's this like this intense, like rock theme. And you hear like these angelic voices, like uh, in the background of it. But like, once you get to the Taito level, it's like suddenly now the world theme is much more like it, it, it it's a much different change from the previous areas of the game, which to me felt more, I, I guess you could say of a standard RPG sense, but like once you get to the final areas of the game, it suddenly shifts in perspective. And, you know, this is also the part of the game where it becomes a grind fest. It's, this is where the SMT isms become more prevalent, like, you know, grinding for hours just to face one boss. And I think SMT five almost encapsulates the, there's one quote from the manifesto that I kind of uh, really liked is it says beauty exists only in struggle. There's no masterpiece that has not an aggressive character. And like the Naobino who is slaughtering, these at this point in the game you're like slaughtering you know these uh, uh there's like i forget the name of it it's like the pantomonic big... council yeah like and i love that beauty I- exists only in struggle and the oeno level the taito level uh it's arguably like that and like the imperium level are like the most beautiful parts of the game and they also force you to be struggling the hardest you know you have to kill Odin and Zeus and uh, uh, what's the snake one again? It's the, uh, the Indian one, Vash, Vash something. Yeah, yeah. So, what, what? But like that, like the struggle is coming from like grinding hours upon hours to just you know Vasuki. in this. Yeah, yeah. I just remember that Vasuki. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're you're grinding in this you know in this utter beautiful landscape, and you're you know this aggressive character who's killing very known uh figures in various historical religions and you know you get to the point in the game where you know you get to the the throne of creation uh and like that's like the game just suddenly unloads like the most beautiful areas of the entire game like when i when i saw the the throne of creation and that like that uh, i remember the the spinning vortex behind the throne. I was, I, I literally would have my like jaw dropped. I was like, I, I spent like 70, 80 hours to like see the arguably one of the most stunning things ever put on a game. Yeah. Cause I think that the last section, like title and the Imperium, as you're going to the throne of creation to finally seize the universe and reform it. Um, there is something very like melancholic and um gorgeous. You feel like the passage of of all time, like finally breaking behind you as uh you break away from Bethel and these uh, allegiances of gods who are all also trying to you know seize the world for their own will and you know going through them and killing them and then resummoning them as you uh reach like that gorgeous stage that you just mentioned uh is it's perfection. We should make we should make like a fan game of Zach going around North Hollywood, and the final <laughs> boss is like RuPaul, and finally, yes. finally you defeat RuPaul, and then you get to fuse him from from a bunch of different white twinks. You just kind of you know you have to multiple <laughs> like wait wait I have to like fuse like 
fuse Katya Zamalochikova <laughs> with fucking Violet Chachki, and then I have to fuse this thing with Stop this sharing thing. Sharing needles. Sharing yeah, needles. I'm gonna, yes, I'm gonna fuse it. Violet Chachki and Serena Chacha. Yeah, and then you get RuPaul, and then <laughs> RuPaul is losing. I think this is exactly true, and I think and, it's it's a good model for everyday living. Is that like everyone is in their Shin Megami Tensei, and you do have to fuse the people around you and kill yeah. them in order to make your will truest. And exactly. I am ready you just have to defeat defeat these people. Zach, Ginger Minj, are you ready? <laughs> O'Hara are the slimes. I can't, I, can't, I can't wait for your final boss fight as Catwalk by RuPaul plays in the background. Yes. Cover <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <Come> girl. <laughs> yeah. So, I think so we're, what we're saying is RuPaul is the Naobino. RuPaul, RuPaul is literally Lucifer in this game. <laughs> he's Lucifer. Yes. He's Lucifer. Yeah. He's Are Lucifer. You and you, you when you go to no fight him, what you do. when you go to fight <laughs> no. him, he's just wearing one of his Epstein and Parker like suits. Like he just, <laughs> nothing happens. He's just standing there and looking that, at you. That BDSM mask that, that he, he came on Zoom with. <laughs> oh my god! And he's like Zach. Zach, do you not <laughs> want the hundred thousand dollars in a in a full year, full life uh, supply of Anastasia, Anastasia Beverly Hills? Hills. <laughs> Um, I, I'm the curious. seasons will repeat. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious as we've reached kind of the the end of the game. Um, there are three moral paths that you can kind of select between in this game, and they're each represented by different parties. And I found this to be especially compelling in this game. Uh, Nocturne also has a really compelling uh, moral quandary at its center, but in this one. I found kind of the empty, impressionistic, and and hardly filled in details of it to be really fitting. Um, and the three are the law path, the neutral, and the chaos. And I was I was curious what you two both thought of uh, each of these. Uh, I okay. So this this was what really interested me about five is that it presented the law and chaos routes as wrong. Like it, the whole game is telling you how you as the player need to fix things and you know the law route which is with jake paul youtuber boy sensation dazai and abdiel or do you go uh, do you side with a uh, uh, white bread uh yuzuru and uh sukiyomi literally the prime minister of japan yeah, yeah. and what... abe shinzo <laughs> it's like and you know dazai and abdiel represent the law which is basically reinstate the christian god as you know go back to th- the things were but at the same hand you know yuzuru and sukuyomi uh present saying we need to go to a rule of multi-god like every god is equal to each other and that's how the way the things go it's like but that's another thing of going back to the past in a sense. And I'm like, this is the first SMT game that is explicitly saying, no, the, the path of literally taking control, which was, you know, not necessary. It's connected to the neutral route, which is Nua and a police officer named Yakimo. You know, it feels like the game is literally saying you need to go down the neutral path because that's the only way that, that humanity can truly progress forward it and that's why you know i didn't get to fully get to the true ending like you guys did 
but you know Nua's ending uh the neutral ending which which is destroying the throne but even right before you know you do that Nua's like well exactly well we don't uh you don't have to destroy the throne to do exactly what we wished for like it feels like the game is like really saying over and over again you need to set, cut off the old world and old beliefs to form a better society or better future. Right. I still don't know what the fuck the true ending is because I, you, you go through all of the bosses at the end. You grind for hours. You kill Lucifer, who tells you that, well... Even if you fucking destroy the throne, my dude, um, humanity will just make up new gods and um, pranked, uh, owned, and <laughs> uh, like, uh, so in order to truly be free and in order for human beings to be completely free, you need to create a world with no gods and demons forever. And you kill me too, for some reason. Um so you kill Lucifer, who's always the, the final boss of uh, the true endings, um, usually. And you kill him, and then you're, like, reborn into this kind of samey um, new world, um, which is just fucking Tokyo, but exactly the same. And apparently there are no more gods or demons anymore. Um it's very confusing for me how the neutral ending is different from the true ending. Apparently, you know, you're free, but if you're neutral, humanity will just sort of reestablish God's slavery for itself all over again. Who knows? Anyway, um, uh, the the final battle is really beautiful is all I know. (laughs) It is really beautiful with that music. It's the the it's a stunning like, especially since Lucifer has those status ailment moves that like literally summons like a sun next to him like, and you have this like dream galaxy background. I again like the beauty is in the struggle, and you know if you're if you're doing the true ending, you know, and you're going through it's like you face Shiva, who's arguably from what you said, Zach is a arguably the hardest boss in the game oh infinitely yeah. harder than than lucifer without a doubt yeah which uh it's like kind of i guess of the futurist mindset is like uh it's like that that whole level like you know seeing that's that lucifer fight as he's interjecting with sort of his his reason for ascending to the throne to defeat the christian god it, it it's legitimately it it brings back to me like how uh like ps1 rpgs felt so universally ginormous like mm-hmm. you know it made me think of like you know final fantasy 7 where it's you know you're facing against sephiroth against this like angelic cloud background as he's in this like uh, ginormous form and he summons forth literally a meteor to destroy the solar system as a move. <laughs> that's like, that's how I felt like watching, you know, and I'm sure, you know, you two felt this way playing it. It's like, it felt like the, 
the entire universe was right there. It's like you have this um, incredible vista and boss to f- do your final act as like the true uh, arbiter of future. Yeah. For yeah, sure. that's exactly that's that's exactly right. Like that final boss when you have the uh, soundtrack, which has constantly had like these like kind of um, gong sounds and like uh, this bizarre harmonized choir. When it all is kind of like screaming in the back of that Lucifer fight, it does feel really transcendental. And in terms of the true ending, where you create a world without gods or demons, I thought that this was really fascinating and was kind of in key with like Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 where they yes yes where they erase all Evangelions from existence and something fundamental about SMT is that you need like these like deities and holy figures to exist uh in order for the game to happen but instead like the true ending has you erase them all completely from reality and forge a world where humans are completely fine on their own and are capable of creating something beautiful with their own speed and power. And I thought that was something really touching, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, sure. it's a, it, it's definitely in the genre of life affirming media where it's like you spend, you know, 80 plus hours with this game, which, you know, it's, it's standard for an SMT game to like spend, you know, arguably a month's worth of, uh, real time in the game and the game's ultimate message you know you throughout it through and through like from start to beginning it's like you humanity is capable of doing things on their own whether it be you know whether if it's you know the darker side of humanity or the lighter side of humanity there's something beautiful in that in that thing and letting them sort of be on their own to figure it out. I think it's something kind of unique and magical that only a few pieces of media, like Evangelion especially feels very relevant to it. I, I feel like metal metal gear solid has the same feeling to me where it's like, it's not about your genetic past. It's about what you do with what, what is in front of you. What do you have to do? What do you need to do? in order to make a better future, you know, in Metal Gear, it's from like a perpetual nuclear war, war economy state. But in, you know, in SMT, it's like, well, how do we keep, because, you know, Lucifer states that like, if, even if you were to ascend the throne, that there will be a cycle again, where another deity will try to come for your power. Mm -hmm. But it's like, once you create this universe away from everything else, away literally away from Shimagami Tensei in a way it's like that's that's the true message of the game it's like it's almost like a destruction of the entire franchise in 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 a way it, it's very it was very shocking to see a game in the series be so invested in the core ideas or sort of gameplay uh traditions of it but almost to say like this game is beyond the sort of endless cycle of rebirth destruction apocalypse it's now time for humanity to have its future finally yeah yeah for sure and you know 
Uh, funny you shall mention Evangelion because there are a lot of correlations there. And, you know, when I was a kid, I was like 12. Uh, I lost my virginity really early with this like much older woman. So I didn't realize I was getting like abused and shit. Yeah, I'm going there. So, so, uh, we watched Evangelion together for the very first time when I was like 12 with this lady who was like fucking me for three, for three years of my life. And she was like, you know what? I really think this anime is about a boy losing his virginity <laughs> at the end of it, at the end of, end of Evangelion. Uh, and I was like, well, what do you think? Oh, it's about a boy losing his virginity. That's about it. And I really thought about it all for a long time. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. And ultimately what games like this and just media like this is talking about is uh, personal things. It's, it's not like uh, when we say remake the world, we don't actually mean you going into a government building and killing a president. It means that you yourself are remaking your reality as you see it. This is this is your life, and you remake it. Um, and th- games like this, and and uh, narratives like this, like Evangelion and, and SMT Five, are all about what do you do when you're left with nothing? So you're left in the desert of your own loneliness and your own insanity and your own suffering okay so how do you remake your life now because uh of course you can just die and turn off the game and just kill yourself and just do nothing with it but isn't it more interesting to get rid of all of these gods and predispositions and preconceptions that have been implanted into you by generations this is why we see odin and all of these zeus and all of these people because there are generations of people behind us who have been implanting us genetically and psychologically with ideas, with 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 um, with politics, with religions, with uh, with philosophies. We, we we are a product of of hundreds of generations of people sort of brewing together this soup of uh, of uh, reality, and so futurism and narratives like this narratives like snt5 tell you why don't you get rid of all that why don't you just stop just 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 be rid of it just uh, forcibly violently excise that from yourself and just lose this baby-like childlike state that you've been living in for your entire life up till now and it led you to this crisis just lose it. Just just get rid of it. Just move forward. Never look back. Never look onto history. Never look onto, you know, the, the, the past generations. They don't matter. What matters is what you do with this now. And um, these narratives are so important these days as we're coming out of the fucking pandemic and coming into a threat of global war uh, where, you know, People have to define this world for themselves now. Nobody's going to fucking hold your hand anymore and tell you through Twitter or a social network that this is what you should believe or this is what you should be. Uh, You're a right winger now or you're a lefty now or whatever, or you're a tanky or whatever. It it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you think that you're trad cath. It just sort of reasserts the hold that the past has on you. What you have to do is shape the future as you see fit. And, and 
in order to do that, you have to defeat all of the demons of your past. You have to defeat all of this bullshit that's been holding you back for yourself, not for anybody else, not for people to think you're cool or to think you're a god or to think you're a cool uh, person online, just for yourself. And that's what I carried away from this video game. It is very final. It's true for an SMT game. It's super final. And uh, that's that's what I truly feel from it. I think that is just beautifully said. Um, this is also why I was so motivated and inspired by this fucking video game on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I cannot get over. Like, I played this on the Mario... I played this on the fucking Animal Crossing count, like, console. That's absurd. <laughs> The the lobotomy machine. Yeah, yeah. The the fucking what? Fisher Price sex toy. Like I was able to like look into this enormous ninety hour experience that yanks on every possible culture it can in order to tell you to fuck it, and in the very futurist sense, like literally, like fuck it with your they them dick and end it right there. <laughs> You have yeah. to fuck its corpse, ejaculate in it, and then move on. Because in order to create reality for yourself, you can't be chained to ideals or morals or these bizarre digital souls that we've all found ourselves trapped in. You have to annihilate it and manifest your speed moving fucking forward. And I love that this game paints the esoteric, like, goody two-shoes as being a total stick in the mud and a bunch of losers <laughs> and yeah. you know following the rules is like the worst thing you could ever imagine with those fucking bozos and then the other option is going to christianity and christianity and catholicism and western tradition is represented by a fucking incel loser with the <laughs> yeah. most horrific acne you've ever seen on a video game character's face who like <laughs> jerks off for an angel and then you kill him and it feels fucking great it, who yeah. has a hat who has a hat through 90 percent of the game that just says, says sucker like yeah. <laughs> it looks like Jake Paul. Subtle, subtle, yeah. Like it, like it's kind of. I, I, I just a tangent. It's like I Daza is like an incredible character because it's like clear as day. Like that Atlas loads that type of person or whoever, yeah. whoever made him. Whether if it's the artist or the story, the writer or the director. It's like it. It almost fe- like Daza is like camp to a pretty extreme extent that like when he has his transformation where he becomes like a disciple of god all he does is throw his hat away slicks his hair back like virgil and devil may cry and he gets a a yellow eyes and grins and it's like i i i know you're trying to be serious but it's like this is like hilarious as me as the Nahobino strike genius camp because like yeah. of course like the Nahobino of like Christian and like Catholic faith is like this total loser who like thinks he looks cool because <laughs> he like slicked his hair back. It's like all of these fucking internet Christian personalities scolding me for cross dressing, and it's like I know what they look like with their kid in a stroller. You know, I yeah. know what they look like. <laughs> they look like fucking Dazai in his sucker hat. <laughs> yeah and yeah. his his like one pant leg that's like pulled up and it, i firmly like, i firmly i still firmly believe that this character is japanese revenge for logan paul's oh, suicide so forest true. 
He literally is like <laughs> Japanese fury at like obnoxious yeah. like m- Midwestern white Americans like coming in with their YouTube channels, <laughs> doing paranormal paranormal videos too. It's like it's not it's subtle. It's not like, subtle. Retarded SMT fans like hate Dazai for them. Like Dazai is kind of like the best character that they've done because like if you if you get yeah. it, you get it. His name literally means like tacky or uncool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the name does like does I is like a word that you say to describe something that's like unfashionable, ugly, or tacky or corny. Which you know, right. I, that's how they have chosen to um, depict Christianity here, and that's their choice. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. I, yeah, I, I, I do hope I do hope that this episode is the start of a rebirth of I'm so popular in this vein, in the futurist vein, in the vein of constant moving forward, in the vein of you know constant friction and motion and 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 um, just kind of a rebirth of uh, Zach Langley Chichi as as an albino in a way. Um, for just to, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Zach. So we, we've basically reached the end. We've killed Lucifer. So what do you want to do with the reality of I'm so popular? It's up to you to decide. It's up to me. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to, hey. we're going to go through this whole season and we're going to keep fusing horrible art with something else you know just whatever i want we're going to keep just digging into my psyche for all of these things putting them together and creating the philosophy from it um with as many internet personalities and people from my life as i can striking a pose with your laser hand sword and long blue hair as you do it that's right yeah you have to create your reason yeah i think i'll cut it there (gasps) cool Oh, perfect. Wow. Season three. Season three. I'm Season so popular. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, thank you two so much for all of I mean, I literally played the game. Like I when I started playing, I was like, I knew I had to talk about it on the show. So it's like I was playing it with the episode in mind at that point. So thank right. you both for putting all so, so much time into into this into this. No, but, thank you. It's it no, yeah, thank you for letting uh, you know, it's this is it's weird. I was saying to Sasha while you're gone, it's like this was like uh it's basically almost like a year after we first did an episode together. It so is, it's yeah. like it's kind of been it's like wild to see not only like just like how far your show has come, like the the vision like really does feel like larger than I think just like it's a podcast you you podcast you're <laughs> talking to an internet friend like yeah you know i i think it's you know hopefully this premiere i think fine i mean granted i think the season finale really put it in a picture but hopefully the season premiere also like just continues like everyone gets it yeah, I think yeah. I think this is it. And I was so glad when Sasha was like, it doesn't matter if you've played this because that's exactly the case. Like, I hope people haven't played it when they listen to this. Like, they yeah, me too. They don't me need too. to fucking... I, it's so annoying. I mean, I think that the whole point of season two is like, I did my... 
I did my time, right? Like, I did, I did my, like, oh, my God, everything is so horrible. Like, wow, the world is really coming to an end. Let's look at this art and talk about it. But now I want to move forward. And so I want people, I think people are familiar enough with the concept that I can probably, like, weasel my way through it without having to do too much uh, more landscaping first. Um, but we will see. Just don't abandon it. Just, you know, whatever you're doing, uh, you know, you're such an artistic creative person, whatever you're doing is going to end up as art anyway. Um, You're one of these people who I'm always super jealous of, like whatever the fuck they're doing is going to end up as art. (laughs) So uh, just don't abandon it. Just really like go ahead and create it and do what feels right for you. And don't bother with laying the groundwork because people are familiar with you now. I think a lot of people are. I think so too. So um, I think I can just do whatever I want now, which I've been, I've been working for, but, um, so the chaos (laughs) world, you've chosen chaos. Yeah. I also love that. Like I'm so popular. Like the universe (laughs) did end and like, it literally is like Shin Megami Tensei five. And like that fake little world by God is where we're podcasting from. Right, right. <laughs> fake uh, little god world. I, yeah, I, I, it's. Uh, I'm losing train of thought. I've had vodka sodas all night. Um, I had a, a beer and a glass of water. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like Sasha said. It's just I. I can't help but be amazed at like what you're doing. Like in. Not like you doing or anybody in the podcast circle. I'm always like amazed that like you all can like make this work, you know, like telling a grand narrative inside of a podcast, which, you know, you, you know, when people see a podcast, they're just like, oh, I'll listen to this one because I know the thing uh, or I know this person. Like, I think, I think uh, everybody should listen from the beginning to get up to here to understand what is going on like what the story is like it's like your narrative being written in real time no because if you don't listen you know from the start i mean you would miss the fact that like this show did just like start out as like me talking about like whatever and then like i eventually like realized that there's more to be done and i start making these traverses forward it's like my life is unfolding in the vortex world you know like Mm -hmm. i i'm really glad that both of you like get it and that's why both of you are, are here with me right now it's it's weird i i had no idea it, would, it was gonna end up as a meta uh philosophical commentary on i'm so popular and how <laughs> it just died and is re- being reborn now in a in an ersatz fake world that you uh shape to your desires but i'm so glad it did